So somebody tell me what does 2 Corinthians 1 7 say? 2 Timothy, rather, 1 7. Okay, follow the bouncing ball. Ready? One, two, three. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Aren't you glad for that? Well, if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, what did he give us? A spirit of power and a spirit of love and what? A sound mind. My mind works, your mind works perfectly, glory to God. What a great thing to confess in times of great turmoil. That you're thinking straight today. You know, uh, we've been going through this series with one goal in mind, and that is pushing out any remnant of fear that you might have, from the latent fears to phobias to issues like with worry. And I want to talk to you today about one fear, you know, that will basically drive out all the other fears, one fear to rule them all. And, you know, it's like this. You are either going to be walking in some fear in this world, or you're going to be walking in and developing and maintaining the fear of the Lord. It's one or the other. And if you will cultivate, understand, and apply the fear of the Lord to your life, and for those of you that have not been in the things of God very long or haven't sat under this particular teaching, you'll find out just how powerful it is to fear God, not man. And what will happen is every other latent fear will be shoved right out of your life. Write this down. The fear of the Lord is the master key to life. Anything good you want to see done, anything you want to see in terms of victory or turnaround or breakthrough, you're going to find out that it's the fear of the Lord that will actually do that. Say that with me. The fear of the Lord is the master key. Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we're going to be wise and people of revelation, we're going to have to understand what this concept is. And at the outset, it's important to understand what it is not. It does not mean for the believer being frightened of God or afraid of God. You've got to understand the difference here. Now, if you walk in here today and you don't know the Lord and you won't submit your life and you won't live based on his precepts, then you need to be afraid. Because he's an all-consuming fire. He's a God of justice. And if you won't accept what he has provided for you in terms of dealing with the sin issue and providing spiritual justice through his son, then you should be afraid. Look at somebody say, be afraid, be very afraid. On the other hand, if you've repented of your sin and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your name has been written in the land's book of life and you're on your way to heaven, you should not be afraid of God. The fear of the Lord, in other words, for the believer is different than the fear of God in the heart of an unbeliever. And today we're in the midst of a bunch of believers. Come on, give me some feedback. Do I have believers in the house? Well, then we're not frightened of God. We have what is a scriptural and healthy fear of the Lord, and that's very, very different. I want you to see this in Isaiah chapter 11, if you would. Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 1, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. In this particular scripture and this teaching is basically about what's called the sevenfold spirit. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel 
and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And listen to this scripture carefully. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is speaking of the branch. It's speaking of the Messiah. It's speaking of the Son of God. Oftentimes when we talk about Isaiah, we, we describe it as the fifth gospel because it's prophetically talking about the one who will come. So this scripture is about the sevenfold spirit remaining, resting on your Lord and Savior. And notice the oddity here. If you misunderstand the phrase, you won't be able to understand why Jesus would delight in the fear of the Lord. But when you understand what it means, it makes total sense. He delights in or derives his greatest pleasure from the fear of the Lord. So we know we're not talking about fright. There's nothing in Scripture, there's nothing in God's nature that would say that Jesus, the perfect one, is afraid of the Heavenly Father. So what exactly is this? Well, I want you to write this down in, in sequential steps and let this burn into your spirit as the basis today. Say it with me, the fear of the Lord is the master key. But to understand this, you have to understand what he means by the fear of the Lord. Well, what it means is simply this. The fear of the Lord will turn into a great reverence for God. Everybody say reverence three times. This implies being in awe of him, being in wonder of him. It speaks of worship, giving God worth in your eyes. It speaks of a deep reverence that came from originally a fear, but now we move into a place of reverence. We're in all of him. We're awestruck with God. How many can relate to that song in the billions of galaxies and what he has made? How many of our God is a big God? Huh? He's also a good God. Say it with me. Our God is a big God. Our God is a good God. And we're in all of him. But I want you to understand that in ancient times, the Jews would worship this awesome God and then turn right around and worship Baal. So we know it doesn't stop with the fear. It doesn't stop with reverence. It has to go beyond reverence to this third principle known as honor, where I now give the greatest weight to the Lord, not to Baal, not to materialism, not to some other fear, not to some human, but the greatest weight I give in my life is to him. I honor him. You know what God says about honor? God will honor those that honor him. So if you stop at fear, you're missing the point. If you stop at reverence, you're missing the point because we've got to get to the place where we're actually honoring God. In other words, we fear him and reverence him enough to honor him. But the dynamic of God moving into our hearts and Jesus dying for our sins has done more than just cause us to honor him. And a lot of people really have a hard time with that concept. How many understand if you live a life of honor, you're going to live a certain way, you're going to talk a certain way, you're going to act a certain way, you're going to conduct yourself a certain way because you want to honor him with your life and honor him with your speech and honor him with your choices. Can I have an amen today? Amen. But because of what he's done in Christ, it's not enough to say it's being afraid of God or reverencing God or even honoring God. That honor then turns into a thing called loving God. You see where this goes? And the scripture tells us to love our God. Well, what? All of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, everything that we possess physically, materially, we give him and we honor him and we love him with everything. And the second's like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture says that uh, we love him because what? 
He first loved us. Scripture tells us, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. The Bible tells us that he demonstrates his love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, God doesn't want us to be, you know, cowering all the time. He wants a relationship with us. And so that reverence has moved to honor, and that honor has now moved to love. Are you here today? But the funny thing about love, the Bible defines it this way. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Say it with me. Fear, reverence, honor, love, obedience. Say it again with me. Say it. Fear, reverence, honor, love, and obedience. In fact, look at that scripture in John for just a moment. One fear to rule them all. When you're there, say, I'm there. John 15. Excuse me, John 14. Anybody else? <laughs> if you love me, you'll what? You'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Hallelujah, aren't you glad for him? I want you to skip on down to verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. Say it with me. Fear, reverence, honor, love, obedience. So if I don't obey him, I don't love him. If I don't love him, I don't honor him. If I don't honor him, I don't reverence him. If I don't reverence him, I don't fear him. Write this down in big bold letters. The fear of the Lord means to obey him. The fear of the Lord and obedience are completely tied together, and there is absolutely no division between them. If I love him, I'm going to obey him. But watch this. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and what? I too will love him and show myself to him. Say that with me. He'll show himself. He'll show himself to me. Now, if you've been in this church the past couple of years, you've heard a message or two on glorification. This tells you that if you obey him because you love him, God is going to manifest himself to you. You're going to see more of his manifested presence and power and goodness. You can say it like this. If I love him, I'm going to obey. If I obey, I'm going to see more of his glory. What a promise that is. Raise your hand if you could use more of his manifested presence and power and goodness in your life. I'm telling you right now in this world, we need more of his manifestation. We don't need another theological treatise or some concept or some sermon. We need God to show up. We need God's presence and power and goodness. 
Amen. Lots of ideas and lots of books and lots of broadcasts and lots of sermons. We need him to show up. We need his presence. We need his power. We need his goodness. But he ties that to obedience. And he calls it love. The world's not going to obey him. So who's he talking to? He's talking to us. Look at somebody and say, he's talking to you. That's what he's doing. So the fear of the Lord turns to reverence, which turns to honor, which turns to love, which turns to what? Obedience. The master key to pushing out every fear in your life is obeying God. If you have latent fear and it's just lingering there, tormenting you, it is a like a, a big beacon telling you there is some area where you're not lining up with the Word of God. And you line up with the Word, you find that area, you love God enough to obey Him, you obey Him, and poof, that fear is going to disappear. Because either the fear will rule or the fear of God will push it out. You put them side by side and the fear of God is going to push that thing out every single time. God never loses. Amen. Amen. So the fear of the Lord then becomes this force that drives out every other kind of fear. You've heard the scripture from the Apostle John, perfect love casts out what? All fear. But you know what perfect faith is according to the book of James? Perfect faith is I hear the word and I do it. So to really, really have a, a, a life where you see the love of God cast out all fear, I've got to have a love that's manifested by obeying God. In other words, a lot of people say, I love God, but they don't have the proof to back it up. They don't have the lifestyle to back it up. Say it with me, I do. Say it with me, I do. I love him and I obey him. Glory to God. Go over to the book of Acts for a moment. Say it, no fear here. No fear here. Acts chapter 9. Let me just show you with, with just one example how powerful the principle is and how it works. How you know in Acts chapter 9, uh, Saul is running around tormenting the body of Christ. He's arresting people. He was there the day that Stephen was stoned. He was consenting to this. The Bible says he had authority from the Pharisees to torture, to, to run after, to arrest, and even have these people killed for confessing Christ. This guy was a piece of work. He's also extremely educated. He probably held the equivalent of three or four PhDs. He spoke multiple languages. He was one sharp dude. And in Acts chapter 9, we find out that he ran smack dab right into the middle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has a conversion experience. And he is basically now wanting to know who is this and the details of, of the one who has reached out to me. I'm, I'm what? I'm what? I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, that's God's part in this story. But I want you to understand something. God has done his part. He has sent his son. He died on the cross. He raised him from the dead. He sent his Holy Spirit. The second part of this story is not what God's going to do. It's what man's going to do on behalf of someone who just got saved. 
That's why it's so critical for us to remove every latent fear that's in our lives. He comes to this man, Ananias. Look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Now, how do you know? So far, so good. Ananias is what? Born again, and we know because of what he's getting ready to do, he's spirit-filled. Say it with me. He's born again, and he's spirit-filled, and he can hear from God. Yes, Lord. The Lord said to him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Verse 13, here comes the fear. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. There's the fear. And it wasn't imaginary. Just like there are things in life that you might be going through that aren't imaginary. If you're in Ukraine today, you know the problem is not imaginary. If you're facing something that's attacking your body, it's not imaginary. We're not talking about pretend here. There are some fears that are just basically sleight of hand and it's operation of the enemy against your mind. But there are real things that come against the people of God. And watch this. There is the fear. Look at somebody say, there's this fear. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Shout it out. Say, go. go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. He will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Next verse. Then Ananias went. You see this. He went to the house. He entered it, placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, amen. He's getting the picture, isn't he? That's not my choice greeting. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming uh, here has sent me so that you may again be, you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales from his eyes fell from his eyes and he could see again and he was baptized and after um, taking some food, he regained his strength. What a marvelous story. But watch this. Born again, spirit filled, can hear from God, and as soon as the Lord gave him a directive, up came the fear. What's the remedy for the fear? I tell you the remedy for the fear is the fear of the Lord. You said to me, here's the excuse why I can't go, and behind the excuse is the fear, and you'll find out that 99% of your excuses and my excuses, they are baptized, they are birthed out of, they come from fear. And he says, I can't do this because this guy is a murderer. God's response, go. Now we have a choice. Do I let the fear of man or some other fear rule me? Or do I choose the fear of the Lord? I choose to fear him enough to reverence him, enough to honor him, enough to love him, enough to obey him. And I choose to Go, and the scripture says he went. Now, you may be sitting here today thinking, you know what, uh, I would like to, to, 
you know, walk in the fear of the Lord and obey God when it comes to forgiving. But if I forgive this person, they're just going to nail me again. You know what the Lord's response is? Forgive. And you have a choice. Fear or the fear of the Lord. Some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, you know what? Uh, gas price the other day was $3.99 or $3.98. In other parts of the country, it's $5, $6. What am I going to do about the Lord? I can't, I can't afford to be honorable to you. I can't afford to tithe and do what I'm supposed to do. And you give him all the reasons, the excuses, but behind it is what? Fear as if God's covenant because of inflation is broken. There's a little bitty asterisk in Scripture that says that tithing and sowing won't work when there's inflation. Can I tell you something? Tithing and sowing show off during inflation. And the fear says, I can't do that, right? But to have an Ananias spirit about you, instead of fear, you say what? You hear God saying, tithe. Now you have a choice. Fear or the fear of the Lord. So you say, I, I just can't, I can't get involved with that ministry. You know, too much time, too much opportunity there, you know, to, to get sidetracked. I just can't do that because I just don't, I don't have, have the time. You know, I'm afraid that other things are going to fall by the wayside. Here's the command, serve. There's a choice. The fear that's latent or the fear of the Lord. How many are glad that Ananias just went ahead and chose the fear of the Lord? Amen. This is why it's the one fear to drive them all out. When you obey God, there is force, there is power, there is anointing, there is wisdom. There is all kinds of things made available to you to actually do the thing he's telling you to do. How many really love to live fearless in this world? Raise your hand. Raise your hand up high. You really want to live fearless. There's only one way to do it, the fear of the Lord. You're on the act of ready every day, wanting to obey him. Amen. Everybody say, obey him. Sit again, say, obey him. I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I'll do it for emphasis' sake, and then I want to talk to you about the, the power of doing this, the benefit of, of actually living, letting the fear of the Lord, you know, take over in your life, obedience take over in your life. Years ago, I was with one of our members, and I was doing some soul winning training, and I was in a Walmart, and there's a young man over there in the toil aisle, and I walked right past the aisle, and I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and I felt the Lord say, go over there, you know, and talk to him. And as I started down that aisle, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me very clearly. How do you know if he can talk to Ananias, he can talk to us? Let me say that again. If he can talk to Ananias, born again, spirit-filled, he can talk to you. And he does speak to us, doesn't he? And we're not crazy people. Come on, tell somebody, we're not crazy. His sheep know his voice. But like you, we're all works in progress. And here I was pastoring. I've been pastoring a long, long time, but enough to discern and to know what God was saying. And as I turned the corner to walk down that aisle, I heard the Holy Ghost say, this young man had just lost both his parents in a tragic accident. I want you to speak that to him and tell him that I'm here for him. I have a plan for his life. Everything's going to be all right. 
But when I got up to him, everybody say the fear of the Lord or fear. So it would be fear of the Lord or fear. Fear of the Lord would be what? Tell it to him. Fear would be what? Hold back. And at that moment, I wasn't feeling all that confident. So I began to talk to him. I said, what are you here for? I'm, I'm, I'm a freshman at Murray State and just had some time to kill. So I'm, I'm getting some things from Walmart here. And I'm kind of interested in this particular whatever it was. I don't know if it was some kind of a collectible or whatever it was. And uh, one thing led to another. About midway in the conversation, he began to tell me how both of his parents were killed in a tragic accident. Now, how much more powerful would the conversation have been if I'd led with that? Was it completely without merit? No, he's ministered to And I said, you know what, Lord loves you. And I told him all the rest of it. But how many understand part of God's message is not all of God's message? And partial obedience is disobedience. And partial obedience is not the fear of the Lord. Amen. What if I just walked up to him and said, you know what, the Spirit of God prompted me about you, and this is what he says, how much more of an impact would that have had on his life? If the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob found him in a Walmart and read his mail with a total stranger, that's exactly what he did with Ananias. That's exactly what he wants to do with us. You know, lesson learned. You say, what, what good came out of that for you? I'll tell you what good it came out for me at that point in time. I made up my mind one-on-one, personally, corporately, in a church service. If in the middle of a sermon God wants me to stop and prophesy to half of the congregation, I will do it in Jesus' name. So it was a learning opportunity, you know. It was a teachable moment for me. And if the last thing I'm going to do is, is think, well, will they accept it or not? Will they receive it or not? I have counseled and I have spoken to people's lives. I have written emails under the direction of the Holy Ghost and I have watched relationships sever, but I made up my mind because of that freshman at Murray State University, I would never hold back on the word of the Lord again. One email I sent to an individual was about the path they're about to take. And I said, I don't know what's wrong with this path. I don't have all the understanding. All I know is it is not of God. It is not for you. And I listened what I thought was the reasoning spiritually behind it. And I sent that email. And just like I'm talking to you right now, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you just severed your relationship with this individual. With a click of a button. But you want to know why I went ahead and clicked it? Because I remember that kid in that aisle years ago who should have had the most impactful moment of his life if I had been operating in what? The fear of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, we're progressing. Come on, say it. We are progressing. We are growing. We are learning. Amen. Say, is God just not going to do nothing with him? No, I'm believing God's going to do great things with that kid, just like he said. God has a plan for his life. But that day, part of his plan was for me to speak and speak boldly. And I encourage you, you can either have your fear or you can have the fear of the Lord, but you can't have both. I'm telling you that obedience will drive out every latent fear in your life. With that, command will come the power to do it. 
Somebody say, well, I could never do that. I could never be martyred. I could never go to that country. I could never do that ministry. I could never witness boldly on the street, cold, you know, calling somebody for the things of God. You'd be amazed what you can do when you receive that order from him. Ananias' fear melted away, and power came. Amen. I tell this story again, not because, you know, I've already forgot about it, but there's an individual in this community that, had a moral issue in, in terms of his ministry and was very, very much a broken individual. And I went to, uh, you know, basically I was doing a funeral is what I was doing. And I was doing a funeral over at uh, Fort Campbell Hopkinsville Military uh, Cemetery there. Thank God for those men and women that gave it all. Amen. And thank God for those that were buried later on there who gave their lives, amen, and sacrificed themselves. But we were actually there to, to take care of somebody in our church that uh, had died, a warrior. And uh, this individual was working for the organization that was in charge of the funeral. And this, this uh, minister who had gotten himself in trouble was standing back, away from everything. And I just went there to do kind of a graveside thing military type of honors. Uh, they do their thing, and then the minister does his thing. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and I thought to myself, this is the most odd and awkward time for you to give me a word for somebody that has nothing to do with this family or this situation. But what was I thinking at that moment? I was thinking about the kid at Walmart. And I was thinking about, Lord, you must want to do something with this man. And I don't remember all the details of it, but uh, about things were wrapping up. I went back to where he was, and I just looked in his eyes, and I put my hand on his shoulder and said, you know what? The devil's telling you, and you're telling yourself that you're done, you're washed up, you'll never do anything for God. But I'm telling you, God has a great plan for your life. He's seen your heart, and he's going to do more than he's ever done in your life, in you and through you. And I watched as this big bird of God, just tears thrown down, you know, flowing from his eyes. And I thought, you know, okay, I just I did what God told me to do. Didn't think anything about it. Can I tell you something? I've seen him several times in the community. And there are more than one time he'll come up to me and he'll say, God literally saved my life through you that day. And I'm telling you, today he's back in ministry and he's blessing our community and doing great things for God. I'm telling you, you know, that one word from the devil can mess your life up forever. One misdirection, one thing the devil throw at you and say, go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. And oftentimes there's fear behind that. One word from God can change your life forever. One well-placed word and then everything changes. Amen. Fear would say, you're at a funeral. This isn't appropriate. Fear would say, he's not going to receive it. Fear would say, he's not of your spiritual heritage. He wouldn't understand this. Amen? That doesn't matter. All that matters is the fear of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, all that matters is fear, reverence, honor, love, and obedience. Say it again. Fear, reverence, honor, love, and obedience. That's the way he's called us to live. Amen. Say it with me. I choose the fear of the Lord. How many old enough to remember Maranatha singers? Raise your hands so you can date yourself. Amen. <laughs> Before there was Bethel, 
Before there was Hillsong. Before there was Jesus culture. There was Maranatha. If you don't, if you don't like worship CDs, blame it on them. And then after that, it was Hosanna. The widest, widest, widest worship music ever written. <laughs> My hope is in you, Lord. My <laughs> you know why the body of Christ is diverse? It's like Criffalo says, because white people will clap on certain beats and black people will clap on the other beat. And we all together, we hit every beat. That's true. Everybody knows white people can't dance, jump, or clap. We know that. And then Kelly came in the other day. She had bought a little toy for Juliana. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> it's a tambourine. And it's about that big, just perfect for her little hand. I'm like, oh, Jesus, deliver me. <laughs> ain't nothing worse than a tambourine in a worship service, and there ain't nothing worse than a tambourine in the hand of a white person in a worship service. <laughs> they got to hit everything but the beat. Except for maybe a white person with a tambourine in one hand and a flag in the other one. You better monitor what grandma's buying for her. Amen. <laughs> Say, I choose. Say, I choose. I choose. I choose the fear of the Lord. Go with me over to Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. I didn't know they made tambourines that size. <laughs> the other day, I, one of the things I love about our house is we have a set of monos and gas logs and, uh, in a nice remote control. And when the temperature dips down, you know what I do? I hate it was built to be a wood-burning fireplace when the house was built, but I thought, no, 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 I'm not going out there. I'm not dealing with all this stuff. So <laughs> I've, got, I've got woods everywhere, but I'm not uh, cutting and then removing all the ash. No, no, I'm going to get something that looks real pretty and cranks out a lot of heat with clicking my butt. But I get home from the church, and I can't find the remote. You want to know why? Because Juliana has been home. Like, there's that remote, there's that remote, there's that remote. How many understand you can certainly define the day we're living in by how many remotes you actually have on a coffee table? You got remotes for your remotes. They're all there except for what? Fireplace. <laughs> I thought, all right, Kelly didn't have it. It's not a seat cushion. Juliana has struck again. The question is, what did she do with it? Right after Christmas, I had, Kelly and I were at Walmart. Yes, we went there. And they had these little bitty, you know, trikes, red ones and, and pink ones. I got a pink one. And uh, 
and the pink one in the back is like a little trunk. And the little trike was in the next room, and I opened up the flap, and there was my remote. Amen. <laughs> just in case I needed it, she wanted to make sure I had it, praise the Lord. I'm just glad the tambourine wasn't with it, praise the Lord. Yes, amen. Listen to this and be encouraged by this church. Everybody say, I choose the fear of the Lord. Say of me, fear turns to reverence, which turns to honor, which turns to love, which turns to what? To obedience. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That's a good place to rejoice. Blessed, empowered to prosper, is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Again, defining what the fear of the Lord is. It's tied to the commands of God. I want you to see this. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever, and his righteousness is intact, which means he doesn't have to compromise his integrity to get ahead. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate, and the righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He'll have no fear of bad news. Say it, no fear here. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He'll have no fear. Who will have no fear? The one who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commands. Shout it out, no fear here. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He is scattered about his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will what? See and be vexed. All of this, those that choose the other way, will watch you, the fearful person of God out of this world, delight in God's commands. They're going to be front row and center to see God bless your life. He'll gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Hallelujah. Jot these down real quickly. Ten promises to those that fear the Lord and delight in his commands. One, the blessing. Hallelujah. Poke somebody and tell them there's something on you. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're one of God's kids? Amen. The blessing, the empowerment to prosper, to succeed, to have longevity, to bear much fruit. Number two, successful children. You want to defeat your kids? Walk in fear. You want to give them a great future? You choose the fear of the Lord. You show them what it's like to command the Lord because you fear God more than anything. You obey Him. You'll have successful kids. Three is prosperity. The blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, maketh rich, and He has no sorrow to it. The Bible tells us, according to 3 John 2, the apostle said, Beloved, I wish above all things, thou mayest be in health 
and what? And prosper according to what? As your soul prospers. As you're doing well spiritually, as you've sown the seeds for prosperity in your mind, your will, and your emotions. I know people out there say that God didn't care about stuff like that, but this is straight from his word to tell you a certain kind of person, this isn't going to be everybody just because they're a Christian, but a certain kind of Christian who will fear the Lord enough to obey him is going to walk in this kind of blessing. Number four is wisdom and revelation. Light's going to dawn for you. I mean, in this world, we need lights. Wisdom and revelation. Number five, goodness and favor. How many like goodness of God and favor in your life? Hallelujah. Y'all know I have a stalker? I do. I've had a stalker now for several years. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Turn to somebody and say, you've got a stalker too. Next is stability and establishment. You can't be moved. Not from God, not from his purpose, not from your plan. Number seven, no fear. One fear to rule them all. The fear of the Lord drives out all fear. When you're obeying God, you're fearless. Hallelujah. Number eight, victory and triumph. Anybody here like victory? Means you win. Number nine, influence and prominence. He knows how to exalt and promote his people. And ten, a witness to the ungodly. The blessing on full display in your life. Did you know that Malachi says there is a distinction between the wicked and the righteous? Amen. And this is how you manifest that. By choosing the fear of the Lord. Amen. Now, you're going to have a lot of Ananias moments in your life. You need to come down on the fear of the Lord if these precious promises mean anything to you. Come on, look at somebody and say, they're mine. Come on, say, they are mine. They belong to me. I'm a child of God. I choose the fear of the Lord. I obey him, and they are mine. What have you seen in the past couple of years? The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. As is what? As is the manner of some. So some are doing this and some are not, but do not forsake. But here comes another voice. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to what? Simple illustration. The Bible still says what? That's right. Go to church. Thousands upon thousands of believers have still not figured this out, that I need to obey God in the face of man's fear, in the face of man's rhetoric. Does tithing and sowing work in a recession? Does it work in a famine? Does it work in inflation? Does it? Does it? Well, then church attendance works in a pandemic. If God's the one that commanded it. It's so important to get a hold of this. 
Because there will always be something that makes sense and irrational. That fear is rational. A little fear will do you good. No, a little fear will kill you. But coming down every time on God's command will preserve you. Are you here today? One last scripture for you before we let you go. The entire book of Jeremiah. Are you ready? (laughs) Just one scripture. Look up, you're saying, praise the Lord. Look up, you're saying, oh, gee. We're launching a brand new series today. (laughs) Jeremiah, verse by verse. You know, what I'm sharing with you is several thousand years old. It's not that it's new. It's sad that it's new to us or it's something we just choose not to practice. But after all of his wealth and all of his power and all of his fame and all of his wisdom, and how many know, and God said to Solomon, ask me anything, what did God, what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. And he said, because you asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else as well. But this man, who had what, 300 wives and 700 concubines? That's where his wisdom broke down right there. Um, that, that's not another sermon that's an entire year of sermons right there that's just but he closes this out chapter 12 verse 13 and he says this now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter fear God and keep his commandments For this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and what? Keep his commandments. Say it with me. I choose the fear of the Lord. I receive every promise from Psalm 112 for my life. Fear the Lord. Reverence him. Honor him. Love him. Obey him. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Obey him. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now come on, stand your feet and shout out loud. No fear here.